Good afternoon, everyone. This is Taft Founder. Today I'm sitting in a nice, beautiful park with uh, Miss Marcia Bravo, who is Director, Operations Manager, sorry, in a charity for victims of crime. Buenas tardes a todos. Hoy estoy sentado en un parque con Señora Marcia Bravo, que es directora de operaciones trabajando con víctimas de delitos y crímenes. Uh, good afternoon, Marcia. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm doing great. Um, can you please tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, apart from your job? I'm from England. Um, I um, worked with uh, in an organization, a charity that supported victims of crime. Um, and before that as well with women and families um, that experienced um, domestic violence. Um, at the moment, I'm uh, studying Spanish in um, Spain and living in Spain. Um, but for most of my career, I've worked helping um, people who were vulnerable. Okay, that is obviously a great position to put yourself and also a great job to do because you're giving not only to yourself or to your direct family but also to the society because victims of crime and victims of anything that involves crime they might be scarred for life so can you please kind of tell us about the job itself how hands-on is the job itself well my role as operations uh, manager was to um, guide a team of uh, staff and volunteers who were working directly with the victims so um, the team um, of staff uh, they supported the volunteers who went into the homes um, of victims of crime where it was safe. If it wasn't safe, they uh, met with victims in um, neutral um, areas uh, in the city. For example, in a library, uh, in um, a school if it was a young person or somewhere um, private and confidential but where they could uh, speak. And the role, uh, my role really was about ensuring that victims received good support from the volunteers and the members of staff. So it was a question about listening to the victims, what they were saying, what their feelings were um, after experiencing um, whichever type of crime and allowing them the opportunity to actually talk about how they felt. Um, but also recognizing that sometimes it, it, it's difficult to speak with your family, um, but easier to talk with a stranger. But my role fundamentally was to ensure that the right services were directed to the right victims. Um, and really we listened to what they, they wanted and where we weren't able to help, we um, could signpost the victims to another organization that could also help as well. Wow, okay, so please let us know how long you have been doing this and how um, vulnerable also does that make a person to kind of experience and live through other people's pain and suffering and life maybe choices that might have end put them in situations where they ended up in such situations where they do need the support and they do need the help. Uh, for me, um, I've always wanted to work with people since I was probably 18 years old. Uh, so to me, it's, it's not difficult to separate my work from my um, home life. But um, working in this type of industry, it's one of the most important lessons that I would say to anybody that you have to learn first. Uh, you can't um, be everything for everyone, but what's important is for the people that you're working with that you work hard for those people to make sure that they've got the information they need uh, when they need 
need it so that they can make their own choices. Um, in relation to um, other people's lifestyles, in this type of work, it's important not to have um, uh, to make judgments about people because we're all different. We're all vulnerable at different times in our lives. Um, and the, as I've said, the most important thing is to ensure that they have the right information and the right support without thinking that they're being judged for, for whatever they've done. And in relation to other people's life choices, yes, they might be different from my choices, but it doesn't mean that they're the wrong choices. It, they were the choices for those individuals. And my role is, um, was not to say that's the wrong choice or that's the right choice, but really to listen to where they were at now and then try to help them to move to where they wanted to be. But the important thing, as I've said already, is about um, when I left work, it was about ensuring that I actually made time for myself uh, at home, whether that was reading, whether that was going for a walk, uh, doing things um, that made me feel good about myself. Uh, that was the most fundamental part of the work because if you are vulnerable, um, you have uh, your own personal problems, then actually you can't help anybody and the whole purpose is trying to help other people. Uh, I worked in uh, this organisation for the last five years um, before I came to Spain in uh, January um, and before that in another organisation supporting um, women um, who experience um, domestic violence. But, um, but generally, um, I've worked in this industry for 20 plus years. Wow. Okay, so I mean, dedicating yourself to such an industry for 20 plus years is obviously not easy. And like you said, you would have to separate um, your work life from your actual life at home because you have to recharge your batteries when you get home you need to not be as vulnerable as what you've experienced at work because then tomorrow you can also give the service to someone else who deserves an equal amount of time and your equal amount of service um so can you please explain to us maybe a few of the things and cases that you might have experienced obviously not mentioning people's names because i know that you wouldn't do that but just so that people can understand what is a crime in the sense of um, victim being victimized to a crime what kind of crime do you mean do you mean robbery do you mean theft do you mean what do you mean in those senses um, my organization works with all victims of all types of crime so they could be uh, for example it could be a robbery it could be an assault and it could be an adult or young person um, it could be um, a more serious crime in, in uh, respect of domestic uh, violence or sexual violence um, or in some cases man's slaughter or murder. In the case of um, manslaughter and murder, we were working with the family who um, were related to the victim, obviously not the victim. Um, so it can be any type of crime, but it's also remembering that the effects of these crimes um, vary for each person. A robbery, could um, the sensation could be as serious as another type of um, crime. Um, and And for us, it's important for us to, in that moment, recognise how each victim feels and not compare one victim of sexual violence to another victim of robbery it's about what that victim feels and how it's affecting their day-to-day -day life and, and their their ability to recover okay so um i also have a question because you've mentioned many different aspects of victimization and crime so how do these people know to contact this organization or to contact you? Do they go online, which means that they will find endless options? How do they end up with the right organization? Because you might forward them to the right one eventually when they've come to you, but how does someone 
I mean, what is the first step they say is realizing there's a problem and then seeking help or guidance. But I know it's hard for anyone to put themselves out there and say, I have been victimized. I have undergone a certain type of crime. So what are the steps that you would advise people to kind of pay attention to or to look at? Or maybe even it might be someone else in the family or group of friends who's going through something and maybe people can learn to see the signs. The signs are, are difficult because there are so many types, um, but the main thing is really a change in, in the behaviour of somebody. Um, for example, if somebody was very outgoing um, um, and you notice that actually they'd, um, they're very inverted and quiet and no longer talking, um, possibly that um, was an indication that something had changed. But we're all human and, and that we can be affected in a number of ways so for me it's about listening it's about making sure that individuals know that you're there if it's a family member you could simply say uh, I've noticed that you're a bit quiet these days is there anything that you uh, want to talk about or um, I'm here if you want to talk to me so it's about not overly um, trying to question other people um, it's not an interrogation it's about making sure that people know that you're there but in terms of um, external support that's available as well um, the process processes vary as well so for most victims um, the police may have been involved and the police have a responsibility to actually um, help the victims and also to try and um, capture those responsible. Um, in this, these instances, the police um, work very closely with the, the organisation that I worked for, um, numerous organisations, and really it was um, putting victims in touch with the organisation for a referral uh, after asking the victims whether they wanted to have support. So that was the main form. Um, of contact that we had with the victims was through a referral from the, the police but victims sometimes refer themselves directly to an organization and that might be word of mouth from another family member who would use the uh, services of the organization or perhaps they've gone online and looked for charitable organizations that could help and they found the, the name of the, the organization as well so there's a number of ways uh, but um, mainly um, in the work that I did before it was through the um, the referral from the police okay um so just going into the education of what you studied to become an operations manager in victimization and crime what does someone have to study in the university because i might know a handful of people there might be people listening going i would like to work in something like this in the future or when i graduate or i'm trying to find purpose maybe in life by giving back to my community and giving back to others so what are the courses of study that people need to pay attention to to do such a job? I think the, um, the nature of the work is changing and evolving. So when I started in this type of work, there weren't specific qualifications uh, to do this work. It, the most important thing was to actually have the experience working with um, people who are vulnerable. So what I would say now is to uh, go online, look for our universities, look for... Um, courses that may be relevant um, to um, working as, um, with people who are vulnerable um, so social work but not your typical um, meaning of social work working specifically with young people or older people for the, the government um, but also the most important thing is about volunteering put, put yourself out there to volunteer with organisations because that's often where you get the most important um, experience that you need to then progress later on to actually working with victims but as I say as I've said before 
the nature of the role is evolving and also now there are qualifications that you can get working within organisations so MVQs are now uh, something that's um, more and more common within organisations to make sure that um, all their staff are professional as well um, so that when victims approach them they know that they're actually um, working with professionals who know what they're talking about and who can who are not going to cause more harm um, to them as well okay and so do such organizations as you have worked with maybe are they available to people around the world or is that just in the uk and england or is that just the european union in my experience, it's been mainly in the UK uh, because the organ organisations have been founded in the UK mm -hmm. and work specifically for um, people in the UK. But in terms of victims, it could be victims who um, have lived somewhere else, but the crime happened in the UK and they mm -hmm. live in the UK. They can actually receive support as well. Mm -hmm. um, but predominantly, all the organisations I worked with worked in the UK. Okay, so you mean that also foreigners who live in the UK that might not have a job or might not even be in the system, would this be available to them also? The support is available to anybody um, who's experienced a crime in yeah. the UK. Um, they can contact the police. It's their right to contact the police. Um, and they can also contact the, the similar organizations as well. Okay. Um, so we're going to go into a few of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. So number three is good health and well-being. Working with victims of crime, working with people who have undergone victimization, what does good health and well-being mean to you, to your organization, and also in a global sense? To me, I think it means about looking after yourself. Um, when we take care of ourselves, we eat well, we sleep well, we have um, positive thoughts. It means that we can actually uh, deal uh, more appropriately with difficulties that we have in life um, because we've got the right um, resources around us and the right um, mental, uh, mentality um, to approach these um, types of um, problems. I think when people's health um, has deteriorated, it makes it more difficult for people to actually approach and deal with uh, everyday um, problems. Obviously, there are problems that are more serious and, and individuals may need professional help um, as well. Um, but I think that that's, that's uh, more specific. But there are things that we can all do on a daily basis. And that's about, you know, trying to think positively um, about how we can actually solve problems, about speaking to people and not um, keeping everything uh, enclosed. Um, because I think that's, um, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous um, situations when people are not talking about how they're feeling. Yeah. In terms of globally, I think it translates uh, globally as well, um, but maybe more in um, areas where in the world where people don't have clean um, water, um, they don't have enough food, um, they don't um, have enough education. Um, so I think it look, the way that it looks is different in depending on where you live in the world. But I think it's still about having that positive um, thoughts um, and thinking about how you can actually solve solution a solution um, problem. Okay. Um, and then we have uh, goal number 10 is reduced inequalities. And actually, reduced inequalities is a bit vague in the sense that it can mean reduced inequalities in each and every possible sense in the world. So what does that mean to you? 
To me, it means about treating everybody as individuals, um, not necessarily the same because we're all different, but looking specifically about what individual needs, but offering similar opportunities, for example, uh, to women, the same opportunities um, that are available to men, to people um, with a disability, making sure that they have got access to work, uh, they've got access to transportation, uh, to housing, so the same um, access to services that, that people need. Um, and again, worldwide to me, it's about the same thing, that same message uh, transferring across different countries. Uh, because in my experience, uh, talking to other people, what I've learned and I'm learning is that the systems are very different from one um, country to another country in terms of equality. And it's about uh, everybody coming together to make sure they're actually working in the best interests of individuals. Because if you invest in an individual, then that's when you see the results. Yeah. You invest in an individual means that you invest in the society or community, meaning you invest in the future of the global world because each and every person, I believe, is put here for a reason. You've been put here to do the great job that you're doing, helping others that can't even help themselves. And normally we're supposed to be able to help ourselves because we're adults, but we're not always in the right situation to do that. So reduced inequalities, I'm just going to go back into that because like, like I said, it's very vague, but also very broad. And you talked about gender, you've talked about disability, they could be races, it could be so many different things and so many different types of ways to describe and define it. Um, in your experience with people that you've worked with, have they been more international, more local to the United Kingdom? And how do you educate someone who has lived, let's say, 40 years of their life in a system where they don't have any rights because maybe they happen to be a woman, maybe they happen to be a child, maybe they happen to be disabled? How do you change someone's mentality after a lifetime almost of a thought or a way of life um, and make them believe that, yes, they are capable? I think it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult question because there isn't an easy answer. Yeah. It um, all um, depends on um, having access to good education, yeah. having access to services where people actually believe in you, yeah. in what you're yeah. saying, they understand the difficulties that you've experienced and they're working with you to try and break down those barriers that you may have. Um, but it isn't uh, something that you can resolve overnight. Yeah. Um, again, I talked about investment, but it means investing in a person um, ensuring that they trust you and the yeah. service that you're providing but enabling them with the information to access other services or access their own information um, about how they want to change their life but yeah. ensuring that they are uh, aware of what's available to them I think is the most fundamental um, issue. Okay um, and then we have uh, goal number four is quality education. So quality education is really important because it's not just about sticking your head in books and memorizing and learning books to get a job for your future. It's about learning the reason for, yes, a quality education is knowing what's going on around you, knowing your place in the society in the sense of what you know you're capable of giving. So what is quality education for you and how does that transcend into the global world? 
For me, I think it's about ensuring that um, the education system um, are sound enough to actually support the needs of individual um, students because everybody is different um, in this um, generations and uh, future generations. Uh, there's um, situations more and more where the class is full of students, 30 students and one teacher. So it's very difficult for a teacher to actually be able to deal with um, seven uh, students who are not following the program as well as as the other students that are and i think there needs to be more awareness um, and support put in place to support teachers to deal with this um, because actually those seven students that might be struggling actually could go on to be um, professionals in, in their own right it's about them um, having access to the support that they need and sometimes that support isn't always uh, for a long period of time it might simply be some extra uh, support extra lessons to actually get them to understand a process where they actually need a bit more time um, so for me fundamentally I think this is one of the aspects that needs to um, be developed more within the education system but also looking at the education that includes um, what it's like to live in the real world um, because there's uh, subjects that we may have studied um, in school but actually we don't use them in the real world um, and there are things that we need to actually be able to survive in the real world to manage money to manage situations and relationships and so I think it's about including those aspects along with um, your fundamentals like your English your maths uh, as well um, in terms of globally it's about ensuring that every child has access to education and that education may be different. Uh, it may not be in a typical uh, setting of a school environment, but each child deserves to have the right to, um, to have a good education. Yeah. You mentioned something about um, learning things that might not be useful to you. When I was studying medicine, I was learning we were being drowned in information that might be useful for that semester or that exam. And then I realized I never have to know that ever again. And I'm wondering, why isn't the system filtering what I actually have to know until I graduate? And then after I graduate and I decide I want to become a doctor, or I want to do something else, or I want to be a teacher, whatever it is that you want to do. We need a system, and I don't think any country actually has a system that really filters down the human necessity, not the necessity of the government or the people or the society or the country or the union, but really filtering what a human being needs to know. Like you said, when you graduate, how do I learn to pay taxes? It's not completely your parents' job to teach you literally from A to Z how to live life. That's why you're in school. So how does a system... Have, how does the system find a filter like that? Because there's so many things that are coming to my mind now. I struggled a lot in school, in high school, in junior high, trying to understand what was going on and being flooded with information and kind of feeling like I was incapable and incapacitated by information that didn't make sense to me. But then I may be one out of 30 people, like you said, who doesn't understand. So do I have the right to stand up? That's how I felt and ask for help. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. But then the results would reflect in my grades, maybe reflect in whether I like the teacher or the subject or not. So how do you think 
we need to maybe simplify the educational system globally to modernize it in the sense that it's moving for everyone? That's a very hard question. It's a very hard question <laughs> and I don't think I've got the answer. But I think it's about having that uh, commonality in yeah. um, the fundamental things that we need yeah. um, to um, exist. So everybody needs to know how to actually live um outside of the school so as yeah. you said how to pay your taxes how to pay for your shopping how to manage uh, a budget uh, how to interact with people um, uh, obviously the aim is to try and find work yeah. so I think it's uh, focusing on common things um, that a student needs beyond the classroom in addition to what's in the classroom but globally uh, it's difficult to say how that would work and also because globally in each um, country the needs of uh, students may be different. The languages are not exactly the same. Um, so it's, it's difficult to actually to answer that question. And also I think some of the difficulties are because the curriculums change all the time. Um, and I think some of that's um, based on demand. Sometimes there's not enough uh, students going on to study uh, chemistry or the sciences. So sometimes the curriculum changes to reflect that actually we need more people in the sciences. And, that, and so uh, students have less um, choices um, because actually there's a lack of um, professionals in this area. Um, and I think sometimes that can be detrimental because if it's not something that an individual really wants to do, really enjoys, I don't think they, um, sometimes they, the benefits, um, you can't see the benefits, whereas if it's actually in another area that the student actually uh, feels they can invest in, feels that like they're capable of doing, I think often the benefits uh, you can, are more visible. Okay, so before we end the English part of the interview, because I would like to speak to you a bit in Spanish and maybe the reasons why you moved to Spain to possibly continue your work, what is one positive message that you want to have to the global community, to a victimized person, to a person who's undergone crime that's not their fault, any kind of person who's kind of suffering right now based on your rite of passage and power and the work that you do, what is that one positive message that you have for them and for us and for everyone? I think for me it's about um, there are people out there who want to help, uh, professionals who want to help um, and who do trust in you in, and uh, your experiences and for me it's about trying to ask for that help. Okay, all right. Vale, bueno, pues ahora hablamos en español. Vives en España y te has trasladado tu vida a vivir a Málaga. Um, ¿Nos puede decir cómo van las clases de español? Sí, de momento eh, todo bien. Eh, estudiaba en la escuela desde febrero eh, hasta ahora, y, pero quizás voy a salir a la escuela para vivir en el mundo real. Pero eh, de momento eh, todo funciona bien y eh, aprendaba un montón de cosas. Eh, frases, el estructura y lo más importante eh, estaba la habilidad para hablar por casi dos horas cada eh, día y con un cambio de eh, profesores también para ayudarnos, para eh, acostumbrarse con los eh, acentos diferentes y estilo diferente, sí. Vale, um, ¿nos puede decir unas cosas sobre la cultura española que te gusta? Sí, um, me gusta que la cultura es muy uh, tranquila aquí. Uh -huh. uh, mientras que en Inglaterra, uh, la cultura, sí, sí, más estrés. Y, um, 
eh, más rápido. Eh, sí, mientras sí. que aquí es muy, me siento muy tranquila y también el eh, tiempo eh, es fundamental porque sí, hace sí. mucho calor y creo que es eh, muy importante eh, por nuestra eh, salud sí, eh, sí. y eh, mental. Sí, sí. Sí. Vale, y antes de terminar la entrevista, um, Vives en España ahora, ¿cómo quieres traer tu experiencia en tu trabajo al mundo español, a país español? ¿Cómo crees que puedes ayudar con gente? Porque creo que estás aprendiendo español para poder al menos hacer un poco de trabajo con organizaciones no gubernamental, ¿no? Sí, eh, eh, me gustaría continuar trabajando en este tipo de trabajo que eh, eh, trabajaba en Inglaterra. Eh, la estructura es muy diferente de mi país, pero creo que es posible para um, trabajar um, como un voluntario um, para empezar a ayudar a gente otra vez. Sí. Y uh, quizás en el futuro en España um, encontraré uh, una oportunidad para trabajar como um, en Inglaterra. Pero por el momento, momento uh, quería... Um, eh, voluntaria eh, con gente y eh, quizás pueden ayudar vale bueno pues muchas gracias eh, Marcia Bravo por tu por, por tus palabras al menos en inglés y luego en español uh, yo creo que sí puedes conseguir el trabajo que estás buscando porque gente como tú son, no sé, no, son muy necesarias en el mundo porque si sí, estamos todos sufriendo y al menos tener a alguien con quien puedes hablar es importante como has dicho so thank you very much for the interview Marcia Bravo for educating us about the work that you do and the humanitarian work that you do because it's important to have people like you doing what you do because it makes the world move forward and it makes people survive situations that maybe they don't think they're capable of surviving so thank you very much thank you mm -hmm.